Thanks for joining us on the Father's House Podcast, where we are leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. Want to learn more about us? Check us out online at thefathershouse.com. We'd love to stay connected. Now, let's go to this week's message. Thank you for being here, man. It's just so, so awesome. I just uh, want you to know that I love you. If I haven't told you lately how much I love you, I love you. Thank you for coming. Thank you for allowing us to join together on this journey called life. What a great, great time. And uh, so we're in a series. I didn't say that. We're going to continue today. Uh, Next week will be the last of this particular series. But uh, if you have your Bible with me, with you, your iPhone, your iPad, whatever you use, would you lift it up and let's say this together? This is my Bible. It is the Word of God. It is life to me. Today I receive the word. I confess. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I am obedient, and I will never be the same again in Jesus' name. Father, we approach your word today with uh, a humble attitude because we know that we can't really say anything that would be worthwhile without your anointing. And especially today, as this is Pentecost Sunday, we ask you, Lord, to give us... uh, understanding, enlightenment. Help us, Father. And I pray I would say what you want me to say today. Help me not to say anything I shouldn't say. And God would just give you praise and thanks in your name. Amen. Hey, uh, today's Pentecost Sunday. And I know that when you mention Pentecost or Pentecostal, so many of us have different images in mind because we come from a lot of different backgrounds, right? I mean, uh, the Father's house is full of people from a lot of different backgrounds. Uh, for instance, just raise your hand. If you have a, a background somewhere in uh, the Baptist denomination, would you raise your hand? How many Baptists? All right. Okay. And then how about those of you that are Methodist? All right. Got a lot of Methodists in the first service. They're early risers. How about Presbyterians? All right. How about Catholics? Catholics is usually the biggest group that we have here at the Father's house. Uh, How about Lutherans? I left them out in the first service, so i got to be sure I get those. How about Pentecostal Charismatic? Raise both hands. There you go. I know that makes you feel more comfortable. And how many of you really come from a non-church background, just plain old sinners? Raise your hand. That's my favorite type of people. I'm glad you're here today, right? Um, You know, when you think about denominations and you think about different things, let me ask you this. Let me give you a quiz. How many Christians from a different denominations does it take to change the light bulb? How many Baptists would it take to change the light bulb? Well, at least 15. One to change the light bulb and three committees to approve the change and decide who's going to bring the potato salad and fried chicken. How many Charismatics? Only one. The hands are already in the air. How many Pentecostals? Ten. One to change the bulb and nine to pray against the spirit of darkness. How many Presbyterians? None. Lights will go on and off all by their own on predestined times. How about Catholics? None. They just use candles. How about Lutherans? Three. One to call the electrician. One to mix the drinks. And one to talk about how much better the old light bulb was than this one. How about Church of Christ? None. Because light bulbs weren't mentioned in the New Testament, therefore it's unscriptural and they're not going to talk about it. How about the Amish? What's a light bulb? Yeah. So today as we move into this, it's it's impossible for me in one teaching 
to talk about everything there is about the Holy Spirit. So let me remind you to go back to the archives that we have all of our teachings on archived. And we did a series called I've Got the Power. And that series, I've Got the Power, uh, stretches out over several weeks and it talks about that. Also, when you go to Growth Track, Growth Track happens on the first, second, and third, and fourth Sunday of every month at 10.30 in the Growth Track room. And it helps you to discover who you are, what God has for you, and how you can walk in the fullness. And the fourth session of that is simply on the Holy Spirit. And then we have a brand new brochure that I just wrote in the last couple of weeks, and I need to finish that this morning. It's hot off the press. It's called Holy Spirit, and those are out there for you. And then also, it seems like announcement today, doesn't it? But also, I've got a Bible reading I want you to do with me this week. So if you'll pick out your phone, take out your phone, and go to thefathershouse.com. And you know there at thefathershouse.com, just scroll down through, and you'll see all the different things that are going on. But you'll see especially a reading program this week called Connecting to the Holy Spirit. It'll look just like that. It's a seven-day reading plan. So if you'll click onto that, It'll say, join the plan with TFH. And then every day, uh, we together as the Father's house come together of the morning, the evening, whatever you have. We start today on this one uh, because today is Pentecost Sunday. So if you'd go ahead and join that plan and join me. And then uh, you can post something on there of what you would say, and it's kind of a really great thing. Not only will it help us knit together, but it'll also give you some understanding more of connecting with the Holy Spirit this week. Well, let me review with you. We've been in this series called I Didn't Say That. We looked at, we've been looking at uh, popular sayings and phrases that people think that Jesus said, but he didn't say, or words or verses that people say that are in the Bible, but they're not. For instance, week one, we looked at YOLO, you only live once, so you just be, do you, boo. And we talked about, you know, the fallacy of that. Then we talked about karma. Then we talked about when people say, well, you know, Jesus just wants you to be happy. Well, he never said that. He wants us to be full of joy and never be happy. I mean, happy's okay, but if you live your life by happy, you're just living by emotions. And then we looked at the phrase, well, you know, God will never give you more than you can handle. And we looked at that, and that's really not what he said, and we dealt with that. And then last week, we looked at you're too far gone. And today, I want to look at this one. Jesus never said, peace out. He never said, hey, I'm getting ready to leave this earth, so just peace out. You're on your own. I'm going to leave you, leave you where you are. He didn't say that. He said, I'm going away, but he said, I'm not going to leave you by yourself. I'm going to send Holy Spirit into your life. John 14 and 16. I'm going to look at a lot of verses today. Is it okay? If you have your Bible, follow along with me, or your, your scriptures there and your notes are on the Sky Bible, you can follow along with me. John 14 and 16. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. Would you underline that phrase, another? The Greek word there is alos. Alos. And what it means is one just like me beside me. Jesus is saying, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, the parakletos, the helper, to be with you forever. Jesus says, you know, I'm here with you physically. I can't be everywhere at the same time. So he said, I'm going to go back to the Father, and I'm going to send Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit will be able to be with you 
everywhere you go with everyone at the same time, and he'll never leave you, and he'll never forsake you. So today is Pentecost Sunday. It's a celebration of the fulfillment of that promise when Jesus left us more with than just principles, but he left us with power. Say power. Power, not just principles. Jesus also said in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, don't leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As he told you before, John baptized you with water, but in just a few days, read it with me out loud, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, think about this context. These are Jesus' disciples. They've been with him for three and a half years. He's mentored them. He's taught them. He sent them out. They've healed people. They've delivered people. They've set people free. But now, he says, I'm getting ready to leave. But he said, I'm telling you right now, for what the assignment that you have ahead of you, I don't want you to leave Jerusalem. I don't want you to leave this city until you receive the power that the Father has promised us. So I'm looking at that and I'm thinking, man, if those guys were mentored three and a half years, did all of that stuff, and Jesus says, I don't want you to embark on ministry until you're filled with Holy Spirit. So let's ask some questions tonight, what, today. What is Pentecost? What is Pentecost? Well, we need to go back to the Bible again, Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord. Would you underline that? If you have your notes there, just underline that word uh, in one accord. And in one place, and suddenly there came a sound. Circle that word sound. There came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one set upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, read it out loud with me, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men, from every nation, look at that, from every nation under heaven, every nation. And when this sound occurred, the multitude gathered together. They'd been scattered, but now they gathered together because of this sound. And they were confused about how, how could this be? How, how could this, this happen like this? Because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Pentecost, scary word, right? What does Pentecost mean? Okay, write this down because this is a spooky word. Pentecost means 50. Say 50. Whew, did that scare you? That's what Pentecost means. It means 50. It was originally 50 days after Passover. So remember Passover? That's when uh, the children of Israel were in Egypt. They'd been crying out to God for 450 years for deliverance. And finally God's going to set them free. And he says, the death angel is going to come and take the firstborn in Israel, in, in Egypt, because they, they won't let you go. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to take the blood of a lamb, place it over the doorpost. That's the, and so when the death angel comes, he will pass over, pass over. So they began to celebrate every year the Passover, reminding themselves of the time that the Lord brought them out of uh, slavery. 
So, Pentecost was originally 50 days after Passover. But we say Pentecost, the day of Pentecost, is 50 days after the resurrection. So some of you that are math experts are already counting it up. You say, well, if Passover was Friday night that Jesus died, then it would be more than 50 days if it's 50 days after Passover. I'm glad you asked that. Because let me give you a scripture. Write this one down. It's Leviticus 23, verses 15 and 16. And God says, I want you to change when you celebrate. Uh, when you celebrate. He said, from Sunday morning, from Sunday morning, I want you to count forth the seventh week. And on the 50 days later, you will come and there'll be the feast. And that will be the day of Pentecost. So Jesus was resurrected on what day? Sunday. And so God, knowing that that's going to happen, in Leviticus, he says, let's change some things around. You used to celebrate 50 days after Passover, but now it's going to be 50 days after Sunday, 50 days after the resurrection. And so God changes that because he wants us to know that it's because of the resurrection and because of the fullness of Holy Spirit that we're able to live a victorious life. Now think about this. Two things. 50 days after Passover in the Old Testament, God came down from heaven with a noise and he wrote the law on tablets of stone and 3,000 people because of their rebellion were killed on that day. But now fast forward to the day of Pentecost, 50 days after the resurrection, they hear a sound, Holy Spirit comes down and God writes his law on their spirit and on that day, not 3,000 were killed, but 3,000 were added to the Lord. The law brought death, but the Spirit brings life. So that's what Pentecost is. Now, I know some of you have seen some weird things. You know, I've, I was raised in weirdness. Trust me. I know those things, but I'm not going to talk about all those today because there's no reason to bring those up. Here at the Father's house, we're a safe house where the gifts of the Spirit and the fullness of the Spirit work according to 1 Corinthians 13 in decency and in order. We believe in the fullness of all those gifts, but we also believe on a, on a, on a service like today when we have people from all different walks of life that there is an order to all of that, and you've seen a spring order in the midst of that. So, just be relaxed, be all right, because we need to get you some strength for the life that you're facing. So my next question simply would be then, okay, help me to understand what happened at Pentecost. What happened at Pentecost? I, I hear this thing about uh, there, there was a fire, there was power, uh, people spoke in tongues. Help me to understand that. What happened at Pentecost? Well, I've got to go back to the Old Testament. All right, are you Okay. Just laying the foundation here so you can understand this. Zephaniah, the prophet Zephaniah, chapter 3, verse 9. Zephaniah was a prophet in the Old Testament, and he is talking about, he's prophesying in this verse, that when the Messiah, who was the Messiah? Jesus. That when the Messiah comes, Jesus, he's going to restore to people, he's going to restore to nations a pure language and the ability to be in one accord. Now look at the verse. For then I will restore to the peoples. Notice he doesn't say, I'm going to send or give a language. He says, I'm going to do what? Restore. restore. 
I'm going to restore the people's, what? Pure language, that they all may call on the name of the Lord to serve him with one accord. I've traveled in 75 nations of this world. I've preached through a lot of different translators. And sometimes when I'm preaching, I'll say a word, and the translator will stop and whisper to me and say, you can't say that word. Uh, That's a dirty word in our dialect, so you can't say that. So what I understand that there are, uh, every language of the world, there are filthy curse words. But he says, here, I'm going to restore a pure language. Restore. So if he's going to restore, then when was a pure language taken away? Glad you asked. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 through 7. How many of you heard the story of the Tower of Babel? Babel means confusion. What do you, have you ever thought about this? What language do you think that God spoke to his people? Do you think people say, well, I guess, I guess he spoke in the last service, the lady said, he spoke in Spanish. Well, that's a beautiful language. But he, what did he speak? People say, well, he must have spoke in Hebrew. Well, uh, Hebrews didn't come around. The Jewish nation didn't come around to Genesis chapter 12. But we're looking at Genesis chapter 11 when the languages are confused. So what language, what language did they originally speak? I submit to you, they spoke a pure language, a heavenly language, a language of God, a language of angels. And so uh, here they are, and they're speaking this language. It's a heavenly language. There's no other way that you can read it. It's God's language. It's God's dialect. And then in Genesis 11, verses 1 through 7, look at this. Now the whole earth had what? One language. Evidently, it was a pure language because God said, I'm going to restore that one language, a pure language. Now, the whole earth had one language and one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar and they dwelt there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had brick for stone and they had asphalt for mortar. And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city. And a tower whose top is in the heavens. Literally, a tower who, which will reach all the way to heaven. And let us make a name for ourselves. Notice it wasn't make, make a name for God, but they were full of sin. Make a name for ourselves. Lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. Some Jewish historians say... I don't know how accurate this is, that when God came down, the tower had already been built to unbelievable height, maybe a mile or two, some say. I I can't back that up. I don't know. But I understand that could be the reality of because what I see God say very next. So God comes down and he sees them speaking this one language. He sees them together. I mean, if you and I would say to that and they'd say, what are you going to do? What are you doing today? Well, we're building a tower to heaven. We'd say like Dr. Phil, well, how's that working for you? Because we'd say, there's no way, there's no way in heaven that you could build a tower that would reach all the way where God is. But notice what God says. And the Lord said, indeed, the people are one, and they have one language. 
And this is what they began to do. Now nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. Did you hear that? He said, because they have this one language, this pure language, and they're able to be in one accord, nothing can stop them from what they're doing. Boy, that almost reminds me of the scripture that said, if two or three gather together in my name and pray according to my word, that nothing is impossible with us if we can get to that place. And so here God comes down, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Look, verse 7, come, let us, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, let us go down there and let's confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So all of a sudden, now somebody's saying, give me another brick, and the other guy can't even understand what he means. They can't even measure in the same things, and so it's pandemonium. And you know the story. They all split, go in different directions. There's different dialects. Different nations came out of that, and they go into all the world. They're scattered. They're scattered. But the prophet Zephaniah said, when the Messiah comes, he's going to bring people back of all nations into one accord, and he's going to restore to them a pure language. Now, remember the verse I read just a minute ago, Acts chapter 1, verse 2. They were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven, and verse 6 says, and when the sound occurred, the multitude came together, and everyone heard them speak in his own language. I submit to you that on that day, the Lord restored a pure language that we call a prayer language, the language of the Holy Spirit, that when you become filled or baptized in or with the Holy Spirit, you have the potential of having a prayer language that you can pray to God in a pure language that he understands. Now that's scary, isn't it? No, that's helpful to think that I can. You see, this, this particular language, this pure language is the language the devil doesn't understand. So when you pray in the Spirit, the devil can't understand a word you're praying. And the Lord came to restore, restore that. So let me ask you a third question. Okay, it happened then, but can I experience Pentecost? Pentecost only happened once. So don't ever pray, Lord, send the Holy Spirit again. Holy Spirit is already here. We just pray, Lord, fill me. Help me, to, help me to release myself and allow you to come into my life. Fill me with your spirit. Pentecost happened once. Passover happened once. But can we enjoy the benefits of Passover, of Jesus shedding his blood? Of course. Pentecost happened once. But can we enjoy the blessings of receiving a pure prayer language that we can worship God in? Of course. Uh, he was a Norwegian explorer by the name of Roland Amstan. And he discovered the magnetic meridian of the North Pole. He also discovered the South Pole. On his trip there, he brought along a homing pigeon in a cage. And when he found the North Pole, he reached into the cage and he released the homing pigeon and the homing pigeon began to fly back to Norway. Can you imagine the joy of his wife one day when she looked up and she saw that pigeon circling over their house 
and then that pigeon landing back into the, into the place where it had originally come from. And she knows my husband is alive. He's alive. He's alive. Fast forward to the day of Pentecost. Jesus has ascended back to heaven. The disciples are not seeing anything. They're waiting for 10 days. Nothing has happened. They're waiting for the promise. Then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit begins to circle over that upper room. The Holy Spirit begins to come inside that room like a dove. The Holy Spirit begins to look at 120 people that are seeking God in one accord. And then he baptizes them in and with the Holy Spirit. And what do they say? Oh, yeah, Jesus has made it back. He's sitting at the right hand of God, and he sent the promise. Let's give the Lord a hand clap for that. That's worth praising. John Wesley calls it the second blessing. You see, infilling is not so much about that you have the Spirit, but it's how much does the Spirit have you? After, after all of that, and the people are there wondering what's all this going on, and they say, these guys are drunk, man, there's something's wrong with them. I want you to look at what Peter, Peter preaches a sermon here. Verse 37 and 39. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. When they heard that Jesus came and uh, that he was crucified and all of that because of their sins. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? I mean, what can we do? We, we feel the guilt. We feel everything that's happened to us. What can we do? And then Peter said to them, he said, what? Say it with me. Repent. Say it again. Repent. And let every one of you, what? Be baptized. Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins. And you shall what? Receive the gift of Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you, to your children, and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. You're going to see this pattern throughout the New Testament. They repent of their sins, invite Christ into their life, forgive them of their sins, and then they're baptized in water in the name of Jesus. And then the next natural procedure thing that happens is that they receive, they receive the promise of the Holy Spirit, the gift. Now let's look at this. And he says, it's for you and for all that are far off, even to people in that little church called the Father's House in June 5th. Is that what this is? June 5th, 2022. I don't want to mess that up again. Right? don't want to go backwards. He said, for the promise is not just to those disciples. That's what Joel prophesied and then Peter reaffirmed. He said, it's for you and you and you and you and you. You know, you could get from here to uh, Arizona by walking. How long do you think that'd take? A little while. But you can also get there by going down to Orlando Airport, getting on an airplane, and be there in, what, three, three and a half hours. You can walk, or you can choose to get on a power machine that'll take you. And so what he's saying to us here, you, you, you can make it, but I want to send a power boost to help you in your daily life, the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit. So look at the pattern. Acts chapter 8. 
But when they believed, Philip, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself believed. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed seeing miracles and signs which were done. Now, when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that the Sumerians had received the word of God, then they sent Peter and John. And when they came down, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had not fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, and they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Notice the pattern. These are believers. These are people that have already believed and been baptized in the name of Jesus. But it's so important that they be empowered by the Spirit. They send the main guys from Jerusalem down and they say to you, has this happened to you? No, it hasn't happened. And they laid hands on them. And when they laid hands on them, they received the Holy Spirit. You say, yes, but it doesn't say they prayed in the prayer language or they spoke in tongues. Every time in the New Testament, it doesn't say that. But if it says they laid hands on them and then they received the Holy Spirit, what was the evidence of that? There had to be an evidence that they would see, I mean, as as I'm thinking about this. But let's fast forward. If If you don't believe that, let's fast forward. 24 years after Pentecost. Say 24. 24 years. Let's see the pattern. And it happened when Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? When you became a believer, did you receive this empowerment of the Holy Spirit, the promise? And they said, we attend a church that we've never heard about Holy Spirit. That's where some of you have come from. You were raised in a church where they didn't talk much about the Holy Spirit. But God is Father, God is Son, God is Holy Spirit. So in a lot of denominations, they don't really talk about the Holy Spirit. He's like the weird uncle that they really don't want to talk about. So they said, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. He said, into what spirit, into what were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him. That is on the Christ. When they heard this, they were baptized then in the name of Jesus. They were baptized in water in the name of Jesus. And then Paul lays his hands on them. And the Holy Spirit does what? Comes upon them. Comes upon them. He's already been in them, but now he comes upon them, and they spoke with tongues, and they prophesied. Now, there's three things I want you to see. The Holy Spirit comes after us. He pursues us. In fact, there's an old, uh, in, in the early church, there was a guy who wrote a poem called The Hound of Heaven. He talked about how that the Holy Spirit is like the hound of heaven, that he pursues us until we surrender to the Lord. So the Holy Spirit comes after us. He's with us, so he's coming after us. And then when I become a believer, he comes inside me. And then there's a time that it says he comes upon us. Look at these verses, John 14, 16, and 17. Some of you will have to go back and listen to this teaching again to make sure you grab it, all right? 
And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, Holy Spirit, who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit, who leads you in all truth. The world can't receive him because it isn't looking for him. It doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he, say it with me, lives with you and later will be in you. Say it again. He lives with you and later will be in you. John 16 and 8. And when he, the Holy Spirit, comes, he will convict the world of sin and of God's righteousness and of coming judgment. Maybe I can explain it to you like this. This is you. This is Holy Spirit. After Pentecost, the Lord sent the Holy Spirit to abide on this earth and never leave. In the Old Testament, there are times the Holy Spirit came upon people and left, came upon people and left. But after Pentecost, he sent the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was with them. See this glass sitting on this table? The Holy Spirit is with us, with us. What happens before we become a believer? The Holy Spirit keeps bumping up against us. He begins to convict of sin in our life. See, it's not an accident that you're here today. Because some of you, the Holy Spirit's been bumping up to you for now a good while. And you think about your life and you think, you know, I'm, I'm a mess. I need some help. Look at the sin in my life. And the Holy Spirit keeps bumping up against you, saying, yeah, there's sin in your life. And you feel guilty of sin. But not only does he make us feel guilty of sin, but the scripture says that when I invite Jesus into my life, then the Holy Spirit not only is with us, the Holy Spirit is now in us. So when he comes in us, it says he convicts us of righteousness. So the very area where you felt guilt and condemnation, now because of the blood of Jesus Christ, you feel the righteousness of Jesus. You're in right standing. You say, I don't understand it. I can't explain it. But, 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 but something happened. It's like Conrad a few Sundays ago when he raised his hand. He said, when I raised my hands to pray and invite Jesus into my life, he said, I felt something physically like I was being baptized. And, and you ask him, well, you know, he's, he's a great theologian, right? No. You ask him, explain it to me. I can't explain it. I just know it happened. I just know it happened. So the guilt that I had is now replaced by his righteousness. But that's not enough. John 7, verses 37 through 39, we're going to see another preposition used. You know, prepositions. First of all, he's going to be with you. Then he's going to be in you. You know, going back, prepositions remind us of how that the noun or the pronoun will be used. So John chapter 7, verse 37 and 39. On the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, Anyone who is thirsty, come to me. Anyone who believes in me, come and drink. But the scripture says, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. When he said living water, he was speaking of Holy Spirit. 
who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not entered into his glory. Jesus says, I'm going to, I'm going to send a gift to you that it's going to quench your thirst. You see, here's what he's saying to us. I don't want you to just be content. with having the Holy Spirit in you. I don't want you to just be a gulper. Gulp, 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 gulp. I need more, I need more, I need more, I need more on me. But he says, I want you to be a conduit. I don't want you to be a, a gulper. I want you to be a gusher. I want something to happen in your life. So he was with me. Now he's in me as a believer. And he says, as I continue to yield my life to him, then he becomes, to, he becomes upon me. He begins to come on me and flow out of me. So it's not just about what he is doing in me, but it's now flowing out of me so that I can help others, so that I can be what he wants me to be. And it changes my life. Let me remind, let me remind on the day of Pentecost, who was the guy who preached the sermon and 3,000 were converted? Peter. But rewind just a few days to Peter. Jesus is being humiliated, pre-crucified. And the girl, a little girl, looks at Peter and says, you're one of them. No, I'm not. Later she comes again. You are. You're one of them. Your speech betrays you. No, I'm not. Three times he comes. You're one of him. And then he swears and he curses. I never knew him. What do you say? But now he stands and he preaches the most powerful sermon and 3,000 people are added to church in one day. What changed? Well, the resurrection, of course. But not only that, but the Lord poured something into Peter. Holy Spirit had to naturally just flow out of him and flow out of him and flow out of him. I want to pray for two things today. I want to pray for some of you that the Holy Spirit has just been with you. He's just been bumping up against you. And you haven't taken time to invite him into your life. Scripture said there's only one way to get to heaven, and that's through Jesus Christ. People say, well, I'm not really sure anymore. I don't understand all that. But you know, the Holy Spirit is touching your heart right now. He's bumping up against you. So I'd like for us to just bow our heads and close our eyes. And I'd like for you to just meditate and think about where you are and what, what's going on in your life. What's God saying to you? Where are you? I believe the Holy Spirit is touching lives right now. And he's saying to you, you need to ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins and to come into your life. If you're here today and you've never repented, you've never repented of your sins, you've never invited Jesus Christ to come in to be your Lord and your Savior, would you do this for me and let me pray with you today? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to make you feel bad. I want to help you to feel good because I don't want the Holy Spirit just with you. I want the Holy Spirit in you to give you peace, life, and joy. If you're here today and you say, Terry, I need to invite Jesus into my life. I know that there's sin in my life and I'm guilty of that, but today I want to invite Jesus into my life. 
to be my Lord, to be my Savior. I'm a sinner, and I need a Savior. If that's you, would you just raise your hand right where you are, make eye contact with me, say, yeah, that's me today. I need you to pray. Thank you, sir. Others today, thank you, thank you. Others today would join these three. Just raise your hand. That's me. That's me today. I need to invite Jesus into my life. I know he's here, and I want to invite him into my life. And if you're watching online, you can raise your hand right where you are and do the same thing. Church, would you pray with me, and let's pray with those who raised their hand. Father God, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for my sins. Holy Spirit, thank you for convicting me of sin. And Lord, I repent. And I believe that you are the Lord, that you died for my sins, and on the third day you rose again. And your scripture says, anyone who calls upon you can be saved. And I want to do that today, Lord. As best as I know how, I want to serve you all the days of my life. Fill me with your spirit. Let me live in your power. I'd like for everybody to stand, if you would. Don't, don't rush out just yet, but I, I want to pray. Would you just stand? Everybody stand with me. My burden today would just simply be this, that everyone here and watching online under the sound of my voice could receive the fullness of the person, the fruit, the power, the gifts of the Holy Spirit that would enable us to come together in unity. Can you imagine what would happen coming together in unity of one accord as we realize that God has given us a prayer language, a pure language to communicate and talk and pray with him? So if you're open for that today, would you just lift your hands upward like this, just the palm of your hands upward, and would you let me lead you in a prayer? Nothing scary. It's just simply an honest prayer after we've listened to this scripture today. Pray this with me. Dear Jesus, I ask you to baptize me. Immerse me with Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I ask you to forgive me for having preconceived thoughts and fears about you. But today, by an act of my will and in faith, I receive you today. I receive the fullness of Holy Spirit in my life. Now you just stand there for a moment and allow the, allow the Lord to just speak to you. Lord, I thank you that you didn't say peace out and leave us as orphans, but you sent yourself, Holy Spirit, to lead us, guide us, protect us, comfort us, and bless us. Whew. Lord, we thank you for sending the promise of the Father. Holy Spirit, fill us full and walk beside us. In your name, Jesus. It's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in your life. We would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps might be, visit thefathershouse.com slash next. Join us next week as we continue to love God, help people, and build the kingdom.